What up, what up, what up? Welcome back, everyone, to the season one finale of Between Two Posts. Kyle, joined by Everett. How you doing? Oh, man, just buzzing around, getting her done. Uh, college hockey, back on the map, Big Ten, a uh, little bit outside your wheelhouse, considering uh, we are way north, but the Big Ten Hockey League scheduled a start date, so that's exciting, and it seems like a lot of, a lot of leagues are going to start to uh, follow um but yeah other than that man we're, we're getting going everyone's playing hockey now rinks yeah. are open people are wearing masks on the ice kids are fogging up it's a great time it's pretty interesting because i also just saw that the uh uh nescac canceled their season so no, wait really it, yeah so it's inter- some some of the bigger leagues are opening up and then obviously um nescac still pretty decent size but obviously they're uh they're like the ivy d3 hockey so i mean at the end of the day i think it's just about money for for the big 10 yeah and well certain schools can handle it right so exactly yeah. they can they can they can handle getting their players to and from within conference league uh conference games and stuff like that so uh, it's interesting but it excuse me for all those players and everybody involved it's it's good to keep the seasons rolling because we talked about it before like if you don't where does that put their ncaa eligibility what happens to kids that are playing junior now like age outs that are trying to find their spots like it causes a little bit of a debacle but uh in lighter the whole well the whole the whole thing's a debacle i mean we could do 10 episodes about this because to me (laughs) did did you see what happened in uh ontario what they said yeah like the ontario league shut down about though they're allowed to play if there's no contact like no no hitting no touching each like you can't even like basically they're gonna play social distanced hockey which i mean i don't see that happening i i think they're gonna cancel the season before they do that but it's just that's so stupid though because if that's gonna be the parameter cancel it shut down the league exactly don't just don't do it it just makes no none of it makes any sense like i mean and to see the that when the NHL did their bubble, we had zero cases. And I don't know if you saw, but like one of the NFL teams had like half their team get coronavirus already. So well, that that was the beauty between the NBA and the NHL about the bubble. You're in a controlled environment, controlled like you know visitation. Only certain people can come in and out. Constant testing, uh, quick turnaround testing where the NFL's opened up. And the only way to do these games is to allow teams to travel and play. So you're coming into contact with so many randos that it's just going to happen, man. Like, it's yeah. there's no way. But it is what it is. But I got to ask, dude, Tampa Bay. Yeah. I, you're I'm lightning. Very relieved. Uh, good. It was a good time down here. Um, obviously, the city's grown a lot. Um from the hockey side of things. So it's, it's, I don't know if I'd still call it an untraditional market. Obviously like it's a untraditional location, but I think like Tampa hockey has really grown to the point where if you start to see guys coming out and developing and making it, it, it's not that surprising. So I was actually talking to Milo who we met at state wars. Who's one of our Vaughn reps. Well, I've known him. You met him. Um, Milo's a beauty. He runs the southern southern part of the uh, the states for Vaughn and Graf. But we were talking, and he's like, "You wouldn't believe what Tampa was ten years ago. There might have been like one rink that you could get to to play hockey. Yeah. Now there's like what three or four, Kyle? Probably more, honestly. I mean, if you count like 
uh, Wesley Chapel, which is probably like 25 minutes um, outside of Tampa. Uh, like they have they have four sheets there, I think. Wow. In their rank. Actually, no, it's like it's four and a half. They have like the half sheet there, too. And then we have OK, cool. Probably like between. Uh, there's probably close to like 10 within like a 20. 25 uh, mile radius of Tampa. So, so you guys really are blown up, but he also told me a story the other day. He was in a store and he was talking to a D like uh, the store owner trying to talk to him about graph. And he said, while he was there, he witnessed two guys that said they came in. They wanted to buy skates because they watched the NHL playoffs, never played hockey before in their lives, never bought yeah. skates before. And they wanted to play hockey. And I think I love hearing stories like that because it, it shows how detrimental a playoff run can be because not only now are they fans, but now they're trying to embrace in the sport or at least start skating, at least getting into the ranks, which just helps create that relationship with the game and keep mm-hmm. them, you know, going to games, buying merch and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's awesome to see that blown up for Tampa and talk about an incredible city to do it in like a boat parade. What? Like, yeah, unreal. Jet skis, Stanley Cup. Watching uh, poor Pat Maroon spear beer all over himself, and then it, it ends up creating a little stain. Like it's tough, man. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, yeah. But, it was pretty sick to to see it all unfold down here. And uh, also, I guess they got in a little trouble with the league because the. I mean, what do you expect though? Like the guy, they've been partying, and uh, like you know, how how do you control the party? That, so that's what I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were because I saw random like they were just letting fans drink out of the cup. Now to me that's like I get that's it. Pushing it. That's I pushing it. it. Like going out, having fun, throwing the party, doing a parade outside, totally cool. But when you have like anybody and everybody, you know, somebody's mom, aunt's cousin, like coming up and drinking out of the cup with everybody, that's 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 crossing the line, man. That's gross. On so, top of what's going on. I mean right there's now. there's Two ways to look at it. One is on the legal side of things. Technically, Florida, like like a couple weeks ago, we like opened up all our like we're back to normal. There's no like COVID. There's no laws. COVID. There's no COVID in Florida. Like, like the mask policies. Like we got rid of everything. So on a legal standpoint, they didn't do anything wrong. Like the bars are open. Everything. Everything's open full capacity. Like no mask required. Full wheeling so, and dealing down there. I mean, technically, they didn't do anything wrong. And and even like the mayor of Tampa and St. Pete and all that took part in it. Like the, it's all fine to them. So the only people who had an issue with it is the NHL and then people who, you know, ha- probably didn't really know. I mean, this was already going on in Florida before the. Obviously, it's escalated a little bit with the cup, but um, I mean, they didn't really do anything that wasn't already happening down here. I mean, it's the black hole of America, right? It's Florida. Anything goes. Like, what do you expect? anything goes you live there like you're a creature so it all makes sense but uh scooting it along man what's the the biggest shocker on the uh the free agent signings today for you so i mean i think everyone's kind of heard the rumors come out before today which we're recording on friday so um i think lundquist that kind of leaked like early in the week but just to see it happen i mean to me that's I can't even picture him in any other jersey but New York. So um, I'm excited to see that. That that team's obviously a powerhouse still. I mean, Washington, you have Ovechkin and Carlson, and they're sick, you know. So 
Um, that one's fun to watch. There's been some like weird ones I don't really get. Um, I mean, I don't really understand the uh, Cam Talbot signing. To me, that's. I mean, good for him, but I wouldn't. I don't think he's worth that much. Dude, he cashed in. Yeah, eleven million dollars over three years with the Wild. So, I'm assuming. Uh, I can't remember. Was Dubnik a free agent? So I'm guessing they're gassing him, right? No, Devin Dubnik. Yeah, uh, Devin Dubnik went to the San Jose like a while ago. Devin Dubnik. Yeah, Devin Dubnik is gone to San Jose. No way. Yeah. Yeah, so De- okay, Dubnik's so- gone, so they had to fill the spot. But on yeah, the topic but why of that, would you ever? Okay, so why would you ever sign Cam Talbot to that much money? Like he clearly is not a, a number one guy worth that money. No. So do you have? Uh, he got a three year at eleven million. Yeah, that's absurd. Al Stalock is at one point seven. See, and to me, I'll say this: I think in maybe other years it makes sense, but this year there's more goalies than we've ever seen in free agency and when you have like i mean look at like the list of probably i'll say like eight potential number one starters my first choice is not cam talbot and if you take cam talbot hopefully you're getting him on a really team-friendly deal which did not happen yeah so let's see so al stalock who's been legit for the minnesota wild within the last couple years he's making I mean, roughly like seven eighty five a year on average on his last three year deal. Yeah. So let's say he's an eight hundred thousand dollar guy. Cam Talbot came in. He got an, a three year eleven million dollar deal. When was the last time Cam Talbot got hot? It was like one series in the playoff, like four years ago, right? Yeah, I w- I just to me it's not. I mean, then again, it's the Wild, so I guess you can expect it. But um, I mean, just look at the, the list that's out here. Obviously. You expect Hank to go to go fast, but okay. So let's look at that deal. Henrik Lundqvist, what did he take? One year, one and a half. Yeah. Okay, so you're gonna pay Cam Talbot over double what you're gonna pay Lundqvist. Like, come on. Well, and then and then let's let's add into the mix. I mean, I I don't want to be a hater, but let's add into the mix. Braden Holtby, he got a two year with the Canucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna tell me just because you didn't want to like. Like how do you, how do you take Cam Talbot over Holtby unless it was in a so, no trade? He gets four point three. They're making pretty similar money, and I mean Holtby's a Stanley Cup champion, like, and he's proven, legit, proven winner, he's a yeah, starter. And then you're gonna take Cam Talbot, like what? I just, I mean, maybe on a one year, maybe it's a trial, maybe it's like a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they give him the trout for the year and say, okay, we'll give you a shot. Let's see how things go. But to give him a three, yeah. I don't get it, man. So, I mean, then also looking at it, uh, Markstrom, he's he's uh, still out there right now. Hasn't been signed as of 3 p.m. Um, he, but, I mean, how could I'd, I'd take Markstrom any day over him, and he's probably – you're getting him for less money. Yep. Um, I mean, we're talking deals, people here. Deals. Yeah. We're saving money. We're going to Sam's Club. We're buying in bulk. Come on now. But I mean, so, okay. So obviously, Lundquist and Holby, they're signed. So then we move on. I mean, Howard could take a chance on him. I, I Probably not near the top of my list, but Grice, uh, he's a great pick. Doby just re signed in Dallas. Um, Aaron Dell. 
Shout out Decent. to Dobie for having an unreal show yeah, uh, throughout the uh, entire NHL out. playoffs, but especially the Stanley Cup. Like, just got out there and got the deal done. But go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying how like there's probably a lot of other guys that would have taken before uh, Talbot. Yeah, so one hundred percent. Now let's get into Matt Murray. What do you think of that move to the Sens? Young team, strong, strong core right now. Could be on the up and coming. I think honestly, it's going to be a tough few years because they still have a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, I'm not, I'm not really convinced that that's a team that's going to, you know, turn that many heads. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I think it's, think it's going to be tough for a while. I mean, hopefully they can rebuild, and he's he's obviously still a young guy, so I think it's more of a longer term deal where hopefully you're looking maybe in five years um hopefully his numbers get better and then maybe the team starts turning around but short term i don't think they're really a, a competitor i i'm actually very very excited about this format because i know the layout that was going on like what happened in pittsburgh and what he had to deal with and living in like the shadow that forever will exist just because fans don't seem to get it like yeah Matt can play. Matt's composed goalie, two Stanley Cups at such a yeah. young age. He has still so much potential to continue to keep going. And even if you say you wipe those, like you wipe off a couple injuries here and there, I get it. It's tough. And that's not what you want to see as a fan. But going to Ottawa, I that's what worries me is like, can the can a Canadian fan base be just as brutal? Or, or when you look at it from another perspective, he's moving back home to Canada. Ottawa's not far from where he's going to live in the summer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think it's a little more homey for him. Obviously, Pittsburgh's very far from where he's from. And uh, I think, you know, he's a a Canadian at heart. So he probably is going to be a little more comfortable in the Canadian market. Um, To me, like what's concerning is I think I'm pretty sure Ottawa uh, let Duclair go. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So to me, I mean, maybe they're going to make a bunch of big moves coming up and really give them some support. But as of now, like you look at their roster and how they did last season, like, I I mean, I don't I don't think there's that much to look at where it's like they have a chance to do that much. So but you know what? You build from the back end. Now you have a legitimate goalie who has experience. Uh, You build a decor around them. You kind of take away any excuses. And you kind of just move forward from there, right? Like there's still a young team, I think that that can emerge. And but you, like you said, it's not it's not a next year thing. It's going to be years down the road. So, but I'm pumped yeah. for him. Yeah. And definitely. then uh, Keith Kincaid moved to the Rangers. I think he got a two year deal, right? Um. Yeah, it's a two one year yet. at one point six five. So good for him. New spot. Yeah fresh looks they need i mean they're probably going to rely on him like he is uh you know he's a solid guy that can get into games and hopefully just you know lend support to their number one right yeah i mean that's all you i mean he he knows his situation he's kind of been a career uh second guy you know you're not he's not going into new york looking to to take over the, the load so um i mean i i i think he'll do well obviously he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him going into what he is you know yeah 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 i mean it's not like where you have to come in and show up and be the be the guy so and and 
the goaltending situation with New York Rangers last year was like they got a couple young kids that are coming up, and it's just a good season or uh, good timing for him to jump in, be the support guy, help kind of run these guys through the league and keep moving. Well, and that's where I think I think that's actually a really good signing in that term because you want, like you mentioned, that they have these two younger kids who are going to be studs, but you want a little bit of uh, veteran leadership around it, and. I mean, Hank was probably a perfect guy, except for the fact that I think he's still got some game in him, and he he's not ready to to just sit back and be uh, more of a voice than a. Oh, a absolutely not! Pattern. This guy wants so, to play games. He wants exactly. to be a starter. So, I think um, you know if if it was a, a little bit later in his career, I mean, you keep Hank around until he retires. But I think just because the the overlap happened too soon, and you know, you still need the veteran voice in the room, but um, a guy who's okay with not getting all those minutes. Yeah. And like this guy wants to win a cup, right? So let's send him to a place or put him in a position where, you know, they're going to be maybe slightly more competitive and have, yeah. I mean, the, the guy is, you're talking about Lundquist, right? I mean, the guy's been in the league chasing the cup every single year and competitive for most of the year. So um, he, he clearly still hasn't given up on that. And you know what's tough though is uh, it'd be really really sweet if Mitch Corn were still there to let those guys work together. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine what they would come? Because like, from what I understand about Mitch Corn, he's not a very like. Well, you got to change this. This is what you got to be doing. He kind of changes the way you approach things, changes like the way you look at goaltending, and then he works with the tools that you're given, and he tries to put a couple more tools in the toolbox. Outside exactly. of that, like I think thinking about the way he thinks about the game and the way he coaches goalies, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with uh, the King over there. But Oh, yeah. Well, it is I mean, what it is. To make it more interesting, we haven't really talked too much because um, technically I, I think like they have to be trades. But um, obviously, Flurry seems to be out the door of Vegas and potentially Tuka Rask out of Boston. So... There's still some big names that could uh, get moved around. Um, also, Mrazek apparently could be on the move. So some some starting goaltenders still probably going to get shuffled around, but we'll stay tuned for it. Where do you think Peter could end up? It's, <laughs> I mean, most years I could have a guess, but this year, like, it just depends on, it's like a domino, you know, like it's going to, factor into where all these other guys go or don't go and what's what's open at the end of the day so i would i would love to see flurry go back to pittsburgh um also i heard the rumor again about quickie maybe going somewhere um there's there's just so many goalies moving around this year so i can't even predict it's actually it's really i mean for me it's tough because these are all the kids or guys that I grew up on as a kid watching. Like Jimmy Howard was always a Red Wing. Henrik Lundqvist yeah. was always a Ranger. And then like up until, you know, a few years ago, like Flower was always a, a Penguin. Yeah, I still remember watching him make that stupid leaning chest save to help them win the cup when Nick Lidstrom had like a full top shelf. And he just leaned to take the puck away. So like I just these guys have been on these teams for so long. It's going to be weird to see them like Holby again, the caps, like he is, you know, Washington capital Corey Schneider now kind of getting, um, getting released and everything like won't be going back to Jersey for sure. Like these are all really, really exciting times just to see where these guys end up. And 
one of the more exciting times for goaltenders just to like let's see what these guys can do like Corey Schneider I'm really excited to see what he can do now new team you know he's got to have a new outlook on it and the way he carries himself this could be a whole new season for him right like that's yeah. that's the idea that's the optimism we go into carrying into a new year with a bunch of changes so and so like, I, I will say one thing that's kind of funny to me uh basically the the NHL PR tweeted something about Cam Talbot trying to like pump his tires a little bit, <laughs> but the stat they brought up was from 2016. No, so, did they butcher yeah. it? They got it wrong. No, no, like they cl- like they cited it. Like they're like talking about what a year he had in 2016, and then says how he <laughs> how he signed the three year deal with Minnesota. So I don't know. To me, <laughs> if you're a Wild fan, that's not. <laughs> Not the best thing to hear, you know. Cam Talbot, who accomplished a rare feat by sharing the league lead with 42 wins yeah. in 2016-17 <laughs> season. 2016-17 season. I was I was like 22 at that time. Has inked a three-year contract with the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that doesn't look good, man. That's not the stat you want brought up when you sign a guy to 11 mil. Maybe you could, if I was the Twitter, like, if I had the keys, I'd be like, well, he had, you know, Cam Talbot once had a 42. Uh, he led the league with 42 wins in one season and not put the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's to me, I mean, you know how, how quick hockey is to change and, you know, it, consistency is probably the biggest thing as a goaltender. So if you're bringing up a stat from four years ago, that's a little concerning. Hey, I got to talk about this. Totally not goalie related, but Pat Maroon awarded a two-year deal worth $1.8 million, carrying an annual average value of 900000 Talk about guy getting paid for winning back-to-back cups and a big thank you, huh? Yeah. Deserving, though, right? I mean, a total locker room guy. Total locker room guy. He, he had a huge play in the final game, knocked the sauce pass out of the air, fed it, just, you know... Bared down, locked his knees, locked his ankles, and coasted into the crease. Uh, so that way they could score that goal. But man, like I, I can't believe he pulled it off. Of all the people, I would have said that would have won back-to-back cups on different teams. Would have never guessed Patrick Maroon. Well, and also I would I would be willing to bet he got uh, money offers from other places, but I think he just wants to stay in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, you have a you have a group that's still going to be consistently good. Say a couple pieces move, some guys get traded or sign with different people, like whatever. But there's still going to be a really good core group, right? So, yeah, definitely. Well, Kyle, what else you got? Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot's going to unfold after we're done recording. So maybe we'll mix in a, a little short episode next week to just kind of recap all the once all the stuff's been signed and sealed so like a special feature yeah just a quick little thing that to recap the rest of it because obviously it it all goes by so fast or even even maybe a little bit later once free agency completely settles down but today's the the big day lucky me i get to hang out and talk to you again (laughs) yeah completely unscheduled yeah well we should probably toss it over to our, our guest on this pod pretty cool interview alex Rigsby, Rigsby slash Kev. No, it's a dash dash. dash. Cavallini recently married. Kyle's still figuring that out, how that works. But uh, Alex Cavallini, 
She is a part of the PWHBA, but more importantly, gold medal winner with Team USA in the Winter Olympics. Uh, incredible interview. And uh, here she is. In the home crease tonight, standing at five feet and seven inches, all the way out there from Delafield, Wisconsin, it's Alex Cavallini. What's going on? Love it. Love the intro. Welcome um, to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Oh, we're it's a pleasure to have you, Alex. I I mean, we've been working together for what? I mean, you've been with Vaughn for since Wisconsin. Um, but you and I have been, you know, have it we had our dealings since what, like twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen. So about Yeah, it's gotta be at least years? four years now. And I knew you before that too from GGSU camps. Yeah, the big GGSU oh, camps. <laughs> big GGSU guy. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of uh, you know, we're getting gear dialed in. Um but Alex, I you know, this is gonna sound very uh, I guess ignorant might be the right word for this, but I didn't realize how I knew you in your, as of late, you had a lot of world championships. You guys have a lot of golds. You've done so, so well, but I mean, you had two U18 championship appearances. You had one gold, one silver. You had a CWHL championship, NCAA championship with the University of Wisconsin, and then five world championships with one of those being the latest that took place in Finland, correct? Correct, yep. Like, I mean, you are a decorated goaltender. That is for sure. What's it like carrying around all that weight around your neck with the medals, huh? <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, it's been really fun this, you know, past past years with Team USA. I mean, um, we brought home the gold medal at the Winter Olympics for the first time in 20 years. And so to end that drought was pretty incredible. And we won five straight world championships so I think that's been you know quite an accomplishment in itself just having that core group to be a part of um you know for so many years now it's just been really cool to see what we've been able to accomplish together and so um yeah it's been quite the ride for me and it's been continuing to have fun with it all and you know it started with Team USA when the U18 level when I was 16 or 15 or 16 so to be able to continue play at the age of 28 now, it's pretty awesome. It's Isn't it crazy how fast time flies, though? No idea where the time went. Like, I feel like <laughs> I was just playing a U18 World Championship in Chicago, Illinois. Like, that was in 2010. It's wild. And now you're on the Olympic stage playing in all these NHL arenas. Last, uh, last year, before everything, obviously, it happened. You guys were doing tours. You were in major cities. Like, it's incredible to see someone that's, you know, obviously as a kid you've always kind of hoped and you're dreaming but to see you you be able to put it all together and get it done is like it's unreal to see the icing on the cake when you walk away with that gold medal from uh, the olympics but i want to kick it all the way back when you were playing like u14s and you're growing up uh you played u18s with milwaukee so you grew up in the wisconsin area obviously were you doing uh boys and girls hockey how did you kind of like start getting into it as you got older so growing up, I just, I definitely didn't have the opportunities to play girls hockey like there are today. And I think that you would find a lot of the players, the older players on the team, uh, the national team, kind of experiencing the same thing. So growing up, the best opportunities for me were to play boys. And I was really fortunate to have the coaching staff and the players who respected me enough to have me on the team. And 
Um, my only experiences playing on any girls teams growing up was playing part-time U12 girls for two years. And I actually, one of the year, no, both years we became the runner up at, um, nationals. So they don't even have U12 nationals anymore. So it's pretty (laughs) crazy to date myself there too, but it's like nuts to look back on it. I mean, the first time I played on that team, I was teammates with, uh, so it was a, a Madison Capitals team. And I think we were called the Wisconsin Chargers back then. And that team had Brianna Decker and Amanda Kessel on it. So two current teammates. Then the next time I played um, U12 part-time, Kendall Coyne was on it. And we had a bunch of other great players as well. But it's just funny to look back and, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing where we were just playing the part-time girls and, played uh, full-time boys throughout the season and we could only do it when we were minors. So um, that was the only year that really worked out for me to be able to do that. And then the next girls teams I was on was uh, the U S national team. So really my only experiences throughout the years growing up were national team camps, like the development camps and then onto the U S program. That was the only time I was playing girls hockey. See, that's, that's interesting to me because I found that that is common theme. Um, not only with goalies, I know we're goalie focused here, but it seems with players as well. Uh, a lot of women that are playing hockey today in college hockey grew up playing with a lot of boys, but this is a, it's a tougher question. Um, I'll give you that. But my question is now with girls hockey growing and you see better development, do you think that it's going to hurt some girls that now they have more opportunities to play with girls at younger ages you know coming up do you think it hurts them that they're not playing with boys or do you think they can develop maybe even they have more advantages playing with girls and against other girl teams as before they go to college and stuff like that does that make sense yeah I think it just depends I mean I get asked that question all the time like hey like from players it's like hey should I be playing girls hockey or boys hockey and for Mm -hmm. me I'm obviously um, you know, going to be biased towards that situation where it's like, okay, if you can hang, hang with the boys, like stick with the boys. But I think it's just such an interesting thing too. Like, especially at the younger ages, I feel like, um, you know, like for me and I look back at, you know, my teammates, you know, Brianna Decker, Kessel, Bozak, they all played boys hockey and Kendall and they played to the age where the physicality wasn't a factor. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's really, it'd be really great to see, you know, more co-ed at a younger age Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, even to U12s, I don't think that it's necessarily should be separated as much just because, you know, boys and girls are about the same, you know, height, weight at that point. And I think it's so important to have kind of that development and be able to learn the game better, Um, you know, have those coaches and those players be able to interact in a way that develops you and teaches you the game of hockey. Because I think sometimes it gets to a point where it's, I don't want to say it sounds bad. I don't want to say it's not as competitive, but I've found a lot of times that I go to girls camps and, you know, they get excited to see their friends and they're there for the social hour where it's the boys are like, okay, it's practice. Like, you know, they're messing around in the corners too, but I feel like that they're more focused on the hockey aspect at times. Okay. So uh, if that makes sense, I just think for like, you know, U12s and stuff, I think why not, 
you know, continuing to play together and learn from each other and push each other and get that competitive aspect and then, you know, go on. And obviously once it becomes more physical, then you're going to have to separate and stuff. But I don't know if that really answers your question, but. No, I think so. I think you hit it on the head where it's like uh, in terms of the game itself, where you're not having to worry about the physicality. And then if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, like I'm sure you've talked to Steve Thompson about this, like the way kids develop and then they start to grow. I mean, girls, if anything, at younger ages are a little bit ahead of the curve, right? In terms of height, maybe a little bit of weight. I'm not sure on that, but I know definitely height. Girls are a little bit taller at ages, you know, 10, 11, 12. So at that point, when you're playing just skill hockey, you're learning the game, you're getting up and down the ice, you're working on speed, shooting, stuff like that. I think that makes sense to integrate it so that way everyone's kind of learning from each other. Obviously, I can't touch on the point that you brought up where like when you're showing up to practice, you might have a different environment with one group compared to the other. But with that being said, I mean, if that's the way it goes, that may be better for some players that are looking for long term. But I think for the listeners too, not everybody's developing on the same path and in the same uh, at the same timing where, you know, it, you might not hit your real, you might not figure out goaltending until maybe you're like in your 15s, 16s. So you have to go a route where you're playing mainly with girls. You're taking your time. I think that's 100% okay. As long as you're Absolutely. enjoying the game, you're developing at your rate and you're developing with your peers, yeah. that's the main focus. And then you can start looking at your commitments later on. Some people like yourself that are very, very t- talented early on, you take that higher route, you take that quicker route. That's just the way it goes. And if anything, it plays to everybody's strengths, sticking to your track and not trying to get in over your head, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's what's so cool too, even just looking at our national team. It's, you know, everyone's coming from different different places they had different routes not every person had the same exact route like you know my route's completely different than both my goalie partners I mean Mm -hmm. and that's what I think is so cool is um you know like you said being able to figure out your talent you know maybe you're 15 16 where you're realizing like hey I can go to the next level or this is the route that I need to take this is the path that I think is gonna be best for me and I think you know that's what's so cool today about women's hockey is that it's grown so much to where there are the opportunities and to play girls hockey and make it to the next level. Like that I think is such a cool thing. Um, You know, and I respect that so much and respect my teammates a lot. And those before us who've really, you know, helped pave the way and create these opportunities for the next generations. And so I think that's, what's so cool is that, you know, these girls are able to, you know, play girls hockey and move on. Whereas mm-hmm. when I was younger, that just was not the option. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, I think it's players have to really think about what it is that's best for them. And, you know, I absolutely love going into a girl's locker room. Like I thought that was the best thing when I went to college is that, you know, I was able to change in the locker room and these girls became, you know, my best friends, my family. And I absolutely love that aspect of, of, um, you know, being around my teammates and having dance parties in the locker room and singing and completely different atmosphere than I was used to growing up. So, um, I think it's just a matter of what works best for you. Mm -hmm. When, so when you went through like after high school and then into college, were there junior options at the time for girls or is that now a newer scene? Um, no, there, there wasn't, and there still isn't really. I mean, the only thing that girls could really do is um, repeat one of their years in high school. 
Yeah. So like, I know some of my teammates had done that, um, where they went to a prep school and repeated their junior year and, and things like that, but there is no junior option. So you'll see a lot of girls who are going in on time as you'd call it. So at 18 yeah. to start college. So, and then also, cause I, I've always found that kind of interesting because do you think that system is almost better than like currently I feel like a lot of the guys, especially that go in division one, all are going in as like 21 year old freshmen, unless you're coming from NTDP. So, I mean, I feel like the girls, it's almost an easier transition to go from school to college rather than having those gap years in between. Obviously they help for development, but, um, adjustment wise, do you think it's almost a better system to go straight into college? Yeah, I think that's a tough answer. I mean, just cause I personally didn't experience that. Obviously like for me, I'm happy I was able to go from high school right into college and not yeah. having to go that junior route just because that's a grueling process. I mean, so many players, like it's rare that you're going to be on one team for, you know, your three years post high school, right? Like from 18 to 21, you're probably going to be going all over the country or into Canada. So all over North America, playing on these different teams. And, um, you know, I feel like I do understand that process quite a bit just because, I mean, my husband went through that process. He was a 21 year old freshman at Wisconsin. And, you know, just talking about from his experiences, I think that was the best thing for him. I mean, he came in, like he says that all the time, like he came in so much more mature than he would have been as a 18 year old. Um, you know, just kind of understanding that he was an older player and that he had to kind of figure his life out a little bit more. And, you know, obviously I'm happy he figured that out as well and was able to, <laughs> you know, focus on school too and not just the hockey and social life aspect. And, um, you know, I think it's just, it's kind of like teach their own. I mean, even, uh, one of the guys who I'm here living with right now, he, he's starting his freshman year right now. And he's a 21 year old freshman. He's like, I have to learn how to study again. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just different things like that where it's, you know, it's just such a process. And, and I think, you know, going through the juniors really makes you mature. And I'm not going to say, you know, necessarily say boys mature, maybe at an older age, but I don't, I definitely don't think it necessarily hurts them to kind of figure out a, what they want and kind of come in with a more mature attitude in things and, you know, growth, they grow a lot more and they can come in physically mature as well. And, um, yeah, it's, I think obviously it is nice when you can go in at 18 and be able to start your, your career as well, but also I, don't think it's a bad thing. <laughs> like I said, I mean, you, on both fronts, mental and physical, everyone's kind of developing in a different time. So if you need those extra years, it might help where you get that. I mean, you start really digging into it. I mean, goalies are way typically a lot later than players, right? There's just in our position, there's just so many other things that you have to learn and you have to teach your body to do because as we all know here, like a lot of the things you do are so unnatural in playing goaltending or playing goalie. You know, like when you go to butterfly, your toes don't want to sit parallel to the ice. They want to point downward. There's just so many unnatural things like a T push is very, very for us now, like it's, you know, secondhand nature. But when you're initially learning that, like the, a lot of the motions are just very, very odd to teach the body and we just kind of adapt to it. But I did want to find out, Alex, what got you into playing goalie? Because obviously you probably started out as a skater. Most people do. But what said, hey, I want to like I want to put on the pads. 
So we had the rotation when I was in first grade. So you just, you know, rotate the, the goal mm-hmm. equipment. And um, it's funny because I actually should be the other way. Like I should be the other hands. But no way. Yeah, I should be comp- like, I'm totally messed up. Like I can't throw baseball anymore. Like I catch and throw <laughs> with the same hand. Like I'm an absolute mess when it comes to that. So um, yeah, like so uncoordinated when I had to play baseball in gym class, like it was terrible. But anyways, um, so we had just, you know, the rotational gear within the organization and everyone got a week with the pads. And mm-hmm. the first time I tried it, like I absolutely fell in love with it. Like thought it was the coolest thing ever being able to stop the boys and thought the pads were so cool. Love just like the gear and everything like that. And so from that point on, I was basically begging my parents to let me play hockey or play goalie and like same thing with my coaches. And um, I remember my parents surprised us with a trip to Disney world when I was the summer going into my second grade and I had the goalie equipment for the week and I started bawling that we were leaving town oh, no. because <laughs> I was supposed to be goalie that week. And I was like, I can't, but like, this is my week. Like I can't leave. And my parents were like, don't worry. We switched the week. Like you're fine. That's too so, funny because you know, your dad and your mom were working hard because as you know, you might know now, like trips to Disneyland and Disney world are not cheap. Like the mouse know. knows how to get into the wallet and they're like, she wants to play goalie. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were very supportive of it. But at the same time, they, I remember my mom, she's, she had to have like a long conversation with my coach and, um, it was a coach I grew up with. He coached me when I was young and then back when I was in high school and, um, he was from, Latvia and he it was right around the time that the women had won the gold medal and he basically was like this is a man's sport at this time and if she's gonna succeed goaltending is gonna be the best position for her to do that so for him to kind of give that advice to my mom that she kind of was like okay yeah like it makes sense you know like obviously she's a really good skater and we want her to continue to skate out and then play goalie on the same time but um you know it was kind of from that point on it was no looking back at like I knew that I wanted to play goalie and I was part-time goalie until I was in fifth grade so I think it was third fourth third and fourth grade I was I would skate a week and then play goalie for a week okay and then in fifth grade I became full-time goalie so my father-in-law was my coach and this is the first year that I was playing triple a hockey and I was under the impression that when we had skills day, like every two weeks that I would get to skate out and like work on my skating. So the first week I showed up with player gear and he looks at me, he's like, are you on this team to play goalie or forward? And I was like, goalie. He's like, I never want to see you bring your player gear to the rink ever again. <laughs> oh man. So he really pushed the envelope on you. Uh, you committing to the position, huh? <laughs> Yeah, so that was it. Like no turning back from there. So I mean, I obviously was totally fine with that. My mom was kind of like, uh, "Are you sure? Like she can't keep working on her skating?" And I was like, "I'm done. Done with player." <laughs> so <laughs> well, you come home and well, coach said, you know, coach. I went to Brad. Coach said, "I gotta play goalie now." So yeah. it is what it is. And so the next it. week, the goalie, the my goalie partner, or the next time my goalie partner did that, thinking like we were gonna switch off, like who plays goalie and who plays forward for the practice. Oh, no. oh he got, he got ripped apart too. So we were both, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh man. That's too funny. Um, uh, 
But now, looking as you kind of move forward, you obviously ended up at Wisco, which at the time was just churning out goalies. Uh, like huge on the women's side, definitely just churning out Olympic goaltenders. Um, and you you got to share some time there with Jesse Vetter, who is a well-known USA women's hockey goaltender. Um, what was it like learning from someone like that with the experience? And then you're already kind of coming up and you're going through U18s with USA and everything like that. Did she, you know, take you under her wing and kind of like help train and work with you and maybe... I'm trying to find the right wording for this, but help you figure out the next steps into becoming, you know, that Olympic athlete. Yeah. So I never played with Vetter at Wisconsin. Um, so there was a year between when she was done at Wisconsin and by the time I came oh, in. Oh, okay. Yep. So we didn't overlap there, but I grew up like she was my idol. Like I like knew that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be successful with like her at Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. She was an Olympic goalie. Um, so it was just really cool. Like my senior year of high school, that was the Vancouver Olympics and that was her first Olympics. And so I knew like, that's the person I wanted to be. And so when I was done at the university of Wisconsin, so four years later, I started training with her. So I started working with vets in 2014, 2014. And that's when I started working with my goalie coach, Larry Clemens. And so it was the first time, you know, I get out of college and I'm like, okay, now what? Like I had made the decision that I wanted to continue to play, like can try out for the national team. And so mm -hmm. I started working with Larry and Larry had been working with vets for like probably five or six years at that point, if not more. And so he's like, yeah, you can come out and skate with us. And so, you know, like that was a huge deal, being able to train with her and eventually became goalie partners on the U.S. team. And that for me was like a turning point of my career. So we were talking about before, you know, just like the maturity of the guys coming in at 21 years old and, you know, kind of maybe having a different outlook and, and things like that. That's where I felt my biggest turning point was for me, for my career as well. Like it was a big maturity point for me where, um, you know, she made me kind of see the bigger picture and be able to have her kind of take me under her wing and mentor me and show me that, you know, there is more to hockey too. And finding that balance and finding joy outside of hockey. I think that was a really big thing for me because at that point I was go, 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 like everything hockey, like, you know, I'm an extremely hard worker, but I feel like I've started to be smarter when it comes with, to my training. And, um, you know, at that time she was a little bit older than me and close to her age now when we were training together. And so I can even look back and see like, okay, that's how she was when she was at my age now. And that's why, like, it makes sense as to why she was training the way she was and, you know, being smart with her, her body and being smart with her training and kind of her outlook on things. And, um, you know, I think it was like the best thing for me getting out of college and, and working with vets and Larry and, you know, Larry's helped me so much with my career and he's such a big, such a big support person in my life too. And I think that, like I said, just like the maturity of it and maturity of this is my job and this is, you know, I'm going to be a pro at what I do and mm -hmm. make sure that I'm training smart and, you know, really focusing on what I can do to be better and focus on the position and the little things. What did, what did Veta really push for you? Was it more, did she ask you to like maybe dial it back? Um, maybe 
come at training with a different approach? What did she, where did she kind of steer you? I would definitely say having more fun. I mean, you look at vets and like, she literally had so much fun on the ice. Like I always thought I had fun on the ice and like, but I also can be very serious and I'm very competitive. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of just getting that aspect where it's like, don't get worked up over the little things. Like don't get so worked up that you just got scored on. Like think about what it is that like you can do better and, you know, kind of have fun with it. Like, you have to like picture it where it's just us two and Larry skating. Like that's what we do. (laughs) And then we get together with national team camps. Like it gets to be a grind. And so I think just having her with that mindset being like, okay, I'm a post-grad now. I'm not training with a team. Like I need to find little things that make me happy and like find fun in training. Otherwise I'm going to burn myself out. And so I think that was just a really good thing for me. And um yeah definitely just the whole like have fun don't take it too seriously like yeah we're here to get better but like we're also you know not trying to burn ourselves out mm-hmm. yeah I mean obviously you want to loosen the grip a little bit before training turns into work and then you get to that point where you wake up at whatever time six five six a.m and you're going to the rink and you're grabbing a coffee and you're thinking like why do I like do I even need to go to the rink today do I even want to be there because after that like the itch to play and the itch to have fun is once that's gone, it's like, why play? Right. You know, you kind of just, you lose the spark and you never want to do that. So, well, we got to give a shout out to a vetter for, uh, you know, keeping you going there. Um, Absolutely. So that's awesome. and obviously you've been training with Larry. Um, but he dropped this note because obviously when you skate with him, now you bring <laughs> out your husband, Aiden, he can come shoot. And Larry said that this may or may not be true, but it seems as though Aiden's smile when he scores on you at skates and, you know, <laughs> practice and stuff might be a little bit bigger than the day you guys got married. Is, is there any <laughs> truth to that, Alex? He is a child when he is on the ice. Like, <laughs> if you want to talk about finding joy, like, that is him on the ice. Like, especially now that he's done, like, retired. And, like, he finds so much joy in scoring on me. Like... <laughs> It's actually absurd. Like <laughs> he gets so jacked up. So yeah, like I'm not gonna argue with that statement from Larry at all. Like, That's yeah, too funny. He now did Aiden play four years, all four years at Wisco. Yep, he did. Okay, so that's where you guys had met. Uh, no, we were teammates when we were in fifth grade. Oh, really? So this is, wow, this is a long time coming. Yeah, so we were teammates. His dad was my coach. He was the one who told me I had to like choose goalie. Yep, and yep. then play together for a couple more years in Chicago and then kind of just fell apart and then or like hadn't really talked in a while and then just reconnected and we had started talking and pretty much were dating for a whole year and then he committed to Wisconsin so like that was completely like random like the the odds of him coming to Wisconsin were just like crazy like we're not expecting that so I was a senior his freshman year and he's two days older than me so hmm. <laughs> ponder that one <laughs> that's uh i mean that's that longer route um yeah now my question is is larry brought this up before because i had seen him at some usa or whatever goaltending summit you know learning meeting of the minds and i asked i he was checking in i said hey how's alex ben and he mentioned something and i wanted to see what your thoughts were when the year you were planning your wedding and obviously training and stuff was still going on, getting ready for worlds and everything like that. But he said 
that year was something completely different out of you where like most people would be stressed handling all these different things. But he said, because you had such an outlet to go have fun, obviously it's a little bit stressful planning a wedding, but he said when you would show up to the rink, because your mind was away from hockey, when you left, it seemed you had even like, like an unreal amount, like a new level of fun when you got to come in and work. Did you see, did you feel it? Did you notice anything like that going on that year? Yeah. And that was, I mean, I completely agree with that. And like, that's where I feel like I kind of, you know, the maturity thing where it's kind of like finding balance in your life is Mm -hmm. like, absolutely weird as that is. And like, I'm like, I'm an elite athlete and like, this is my job. And I understand that. And like, I'm literally, you know, train all the time and fully committed. This is my focus. I'm fully committed. But at the same time, it's like, you have to have a break from it. Like, I'm a big believer in that balance aspect. And yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, that was the year off after the Olympics and that was a, a really grind of a year for me. And after the Olympics, I took five and a half months off deciding on if I was going to continue to play or not. Um, you know, I just wanted a break. I hadn't taken a break in since I had for that long, since I started playing hockey. And yeah. so kind of made the decision you know, that I wanted to try it again. And Larry was the first person I skated with and I had so much fun on the ice. (laughs) And I think that just like carried it into that whole upcoming year where I was back to like feeling like youth hockey again, where, you know, it was my job, but I was having so much fun with it Mm -hmm. that it was just an awesome year. I mean, that year I was playing in a wedding. I was traveling back and forth from Calgary to Madison you know, I was training my own and then I would fly to Calgary, play games. So that's when I was playing in the CWHL, which that league folded after that year. And like, that was the busiest I'd been in like years. And that was one of my best years of hockey. And, you know, we won the world championship in Finland that year. And it was just such a fun year. And I was, you know, it's just, yeah, I would I totally agree with Larry that, you know, I had those outlets and I had other things to think about. And so when I did come to the, to the rink, it's like, okay, this is my focus and this is what I need to work on. And, um, you know, I'm going to be dialed in for whatever time we're on the ice. So it having that outlet and a little bit, I'm not going to say a distraction because that's not a distraction in life, but having somewhere else to focus your energy. So it's not 110% hockey in your life all the time. When you're at the rink, when you leave the rink, before you go to sleep, you're always thinking hockey. It just causes the burnout. So I think that just reinforces, and I wanted to ask this next, what your relationship and what you thought of Steve Thompson, a previous guest on our podcast was, but he reinforces the idea like that's why you need to do other things. You can play other sports and it doesn't always have to be sports. It could be playing an instrument. It could be being really good at school. Um, it could be any sort of hobby that you have, you know, like building RC cars, anything, but just an escape. So that way you're not 110% thinking about hockey all the time. And I think that just reinforces it. Alex is, you know, your approach and where you're at now and the success you had, it shows it's, it's true to work. But with that being said, how long, cause I'm trying to figure out how long Steve had been on staff doing the women's side. Like how long have you known Steve Thompson? So I first met Steve, I got a text message from one of our staff members, Mm -hmm. Kristen Wright, and she goes, hey, uh, you two are driving together uh, from the airport, so just get an Uber together to camp. Like, this is literally the day that we're going to Four Nations camp. Like, (laughs) I'm flying to Chicago, 
and I'm going to, we have a camp in Chicago for four nations. And I had to text Kristen and I was like, I'm sorry, who's in this group chat? Like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> and it was Steve. And so that was the first time I met Steve. And cause our whole staff had just kind of like, there's just a lot going on and they hadn't announced really like our full staff of what was happening and things yeah, like there that. Some head so, coaches changes and stuff like that. Right. That year. Yeah. GM yep. had left that day and uh, coaching changes. And so I had to ask her, I was like, who's like, who's Steve? And she's like, he's been your goalie coach for the week. I was like, okay. So we <laughs> drove together from the airport to our hotel downtown Chicago. And that was the first time I met him. And like, we instantly clicked. Like it was, it was awesome getting to work with him that year. Um, so that was the year that I was planning the wedding, going to Calgary and, and things like that. And so what was so cool about that was that was the first time that we really had um, kind of the connection where, so I have my national team and then obviously I work with Larry, but mm -hmm. he bridged that gap. So that was the first time where it's like, it's kind of mind blowing to think about that. It hadn't been in place before that, but my, the goalie coach previously had never, you know, kind of spoke out and, you know, reached out to Larry at all. And be like, Hey, this is what she needs to work on and how's yeah. she doing and touch base like that. And so we would have calls like Larry, Steve and I would have calls going over my Calgary games. And that was so cool for them to kind of connect because Steve's like, okay, Larry's the one you're working with when you're now with the national team. Like we all need to be on the same page here. So mm -hmm. it was really great working with Steve. You know, he's such an ally for his goaltenders and he's going to do whatever he can to, you know, be in your corner. And I think that's what was so great about Steve. And, um, you know, he just brought the energy as, you know, the biggest smile and for him to bring the energy to our team, especially that year after, um, you know, kind of what we had been going through. And I think it was just really, really big for our, our goalie nation. And, um, you know, now we're working with Bree McLaughlin, who is also a former teammate of mine and goalie partner. So then mm -hmm. that's been cool to have that transition as well. No, I so, think that's awesome. Go ahead. I, I thought, um, not to interrupt you, but like something really cool that you brought up before was um like how important like having fun playing the game and just having a love for the game is and i know that was a huge focus that steve brought up when we talked to him was from like a young age up just instilling that so i think it's super cool that i'm sure that's probably a big part of why you guys kind of clicked right away is you were kind of on the same page as why you are still playing hockey yeah no exactly and so um yeah. And to answer that question too, that Steve was, um, he was our goalie coach for that just that year. And then he took the head ADM role at USA hockey. So he can no longer be our goalie coach, but, um, you know, we just had a virtual goalie camp in May and he helped run, run that. And so that's been really cool to see him still be a, a part of our team in a way. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, just the whole fun aspect and, getting us to have fun at camps, camps, you know, they can be grueling, they can be stressful and, you know, trying to solidify your spot on the team and things like that. And when you can just have fun with it and enjoy your time with your teammates, especially you kind of realize that as you get older, when you're not playing on a team, like for me, I'm training by myself all year, most of the time. And for me, I absolutely love it when I get to go to camps and see my friends are like my best friends and my sisters. And mm -hmm. um, so I think that just makes such a difference. And, you know, and I think that's been a big reason for our success as a team as well I mean if you go in our locker room like we have so much fun together 
And that's been a big culture change as well. I mean, we're such a close knit team and we have so much fun and we're very welcoming of new players that come in. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just, we're in a great place for our team and um, hopefully we can all keep having fun together and keep feeling like we're back in our youth days. (laughs) It's like playing like 14 U all over again. You just show up and you're just there to have fun. Yeah. Just having a blast. It's not just USA hockey. Um, Yeah. What are, I wanted to ask, do you remember, can you highlight any, some of the, like anything fun specifically that Steve would do or introduce to like you and the other goalies? Um, I'm trying to think. I always just had so much fun, like in this goalie world, like he wouldn't really tell us what was going on. Cause he kind of just want us to like figure things out as we went, which I think mm-hmm. was really cool. And um, you know, he's really good with his film and going over video and, and things like that. And just kind of bringing that serious approach where it's, we're here to get better, but then at the same time, like, don't stress out and we're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that overall, I mean, the thing too with him is that it wasn't just hockey. Like I could talk to him about my outside life. And I think that's so important as well as, you know, being able to have that relationship, especially with such a unique position where people don't really understand. And, um, you know, being able to have those conversations where, you know, I was going to get married that year and be able to have a conversation be like, yeah, I'm wedding planning right now. Like this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being able to have those conversations, I think are really important as well. Well, it, it helps, uh, all of us in this group know, you know, a relationship that you have with a goalie coach that's built on not only trusting them to develop you as a goaltender, but like having that relationship, like you just said, Alex, is so huge. Being able to, you know, relate and get along with outside of the hockey aspect of it, it just tightens that bond. And then you just become, you know, a lot, lot closer and that trust builds. So I think that just, it's key in, in the way he approaches it. Now he did bring up, I've heard it from other people, he would set up drills and I wanted to ask, how does it work? Does he just tell you where like shooters are going to skate through the lanes that they're going to go through? And then you just have to figure out how to make the save. Yeah. Like he would kind of be like, okay, like there's going to be a shooter on here, shooter here. And then there's me like extra movement in there. And you know, he's not going to tell you too many specifics and it's just kind of like, okay, like it's not going to be like, okay, I want you to go on the post here and do an RVH and then you're going to slide out. It's going to be like, okay, there's a shot here and a pass. Like there's going to be a person up here. So then that person can either, you know, come in and choose. There's just a lot more options. And so I think it gets you kind of just thinking on a different level where, you know, it's not just cut and dry drills where not just going through the motions. (laughs) Exactly. It gets you, you know, thinking more so in the game like situations. And the thing with him too, is he's so willing to help you and like answer any sort of question you have. Like there was no stupid questions. Like you couldn't Mm -hmm. ask a stupid question with him. And I think that's so important too. And, you know, for me, like, especially since, you know, probably I would say like this new, this new quad, you know, I'm really trying to like, I'm at to the point where it's like, okay, how much, you know, it's going to be more of the mental side that it's going to, you know, continue to improve on and just kind of being, you know, an expert at the game and reading situational plays and stuff like that. And so I think just really, he made me understand, like, I needed to be a student of the game and the way I looked at things and understood different situations and different patterns and he simplified things. And so I think that was just, you know, really cool to kind of get to know him and 
learn through him in that regards too. And, you know, I've continued to take that approach for these last couple of years. Totally get it. Um, <laughs> the next thing, and this is just because I've known you for a little bit, Alex, outside of graphics, you really don't know anything about equipment, right? Like you're not much of a gearhead having been to all the GGSU camps though. Oh, not at all. Like I don't, you, you, you know, my gear, like if I have any questions on my gear, like if I have to be like, what is my gear? Like I have to ask you, like people ask me all the time, like, Oh, what are you wearing? Like, I don't, I don't know. They have no logos. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all. The only so, concern is no logos. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a problem. Like I can't even tell you what model pad this is like at some points, like, Oh man. That but brings yeah. up kind of like an interesting thought I had. Um, so obviously like double IHF and international Vaughn can't put their logos on, but didn't you also have an issue with uh, a paint job you had for the Olympics? Yeah. They were trying to say what? having the statue of Liberty is a political statement, which I, I honestly, I, to this day, I don't understand it. Like, so yeah, they were trying to tell us that um, they're also, they're always very strict on like, the pads um so every every tournament you have to go through and they have to mark off your pads and like test to make sure like they're not too wide in certain areas or not too long and so um can't have any logos so i've been wearing bond since eighth grade um sorry someone's calling me i i've been wearing bond pads since eighth grade and um you know for me, for, you know, going to the camps and tournaments and stuff for my first U18s, I had to put duct tape all over my pads because I was wearing Vaughn. <laughs> so that was a great look. But then uh, most recently at, in Finland. So the best thing for me has been the toe, like the laces on the toes. Like this the, is you. This is you're the old like the last person that I deal with currently that uses the sliding toe bars. So for all the okay. listeners, you have a standard toe bar that a lot of people use with just laces coming through. People are jumping into the bungees. Uh, V6, we introduced the, tr uh, the offset, which meant the laces can get closer to the inside edge. But back on, I mean, we had it at the 7990, which was a V5 pad, was the sliding toe bar. So the way it works for everybody at home it's two plastic pieces on the front and the back of this sliding toe bar. Your laces go through, it holds, and it allows your toe to get really inside, and it allows the pad and ankle to move pretty freely. Alex, you can take it from here. So I have the sliding toe bar. So pretty much what you just even were saying, like, sounds like a different language to me. Like, that's how much, like, I don't pay attention <laughs> to my gear. Like, Everett's the one who has to get me a new gear. Like, he's like, hey, it's a new model. Like, I think you'd really like this. And like, are you sure I can't keep with my old pads? Like, he's like, no, I think you'd really like it. Like, try them out. I was like, okay. So, like, he's the only reason I'm even in, like, updated pads. Like, I'd probably be wearing the same exact gear. And it took me forever just to, like, go from, like, the flat knee pads to, like, actually wearing, like, the knee pads. Um, it's a little embarrassing. So, sorry for all the people out there we're obsessed with bully equipment that I don't really know. But anyways, the toe sliding thing. So we're at four, we're going to world the championships. Thing, yes. And those things have like saved my hips. Cause I'm, I've had two hip surgeries and like, I've had yep. really bad hip, hip injuries and these things like saved my hips. And so I get to these world championships and the people are looking at them. 
they're from a different country. Like, so there's language issues and they're like, you can't have these. I go, excuse me, what? They're like, yeah, these are illegal. Like you can't have the toe things. Like they're too wide. Like, so like it's too long. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you have to cut it. And I was like, if I cut it, you're cutting off the toe slide thing. So like, can we, can we just look at that? Like if I cut it, you can't slide the little laces back and forth. It's going to come like the thing will slide out of the. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing holding it together, like holding it in. And so I got like, so Steve's right by me with this whole thing. Like he, he's not saying anything like, and this, this guy, or no, it was a lady. And she's like, she's like, yeah, well, we can't have this. Like you can stop pucks with this. I was like, this thing is like half, like not even half an inch. It or, might I mean, be a quarter like inch a in thickness. Quarter inch. Like this is not going to stop anything. It's like a piece <laughs> of plastic with like a little leather covering it. Like it's not going to stop a puck. So she's trying to tell me that like, I can't have them because it's extra equipment that it could possibly stop a puck. And I go, finally look at her. I was like, okay, when was this rule in place? She's like, it's always been the rule. And I was like, okay, well that's funny because I just went to the Olympics last year and these toe things are literally from my pads at the Olympics. So the only person who has changed right now, like only thing that's changed is you like measuring my gear. And so then she's like, okay, I think it's fine. So <laughs> Steve, Steve's jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I'm, I mean, aren't they? They're basically the exact same size as the normal toe bridges, aren't they? Yep, yep, yep. And yes, then I like, I still don't understand it. Not only that, but like it, it overlaps your skate. Like even if there's no bar there, your, your skate's directly behind your yeah, toe. Yeah, the toe cap of your skate would so, stop the buck. Yeah, yeah. Like I had to go get my skate to show her, and she's like, "See, it comes off a little bit." I was like. I don't think it does. That's, but, that's yeah. the difference right there. <laughs> that's what separates you between an Olympic gold and an Olympic silver is a sliding toe bar. I mean, that's Obviously. that's what this comes down to, right? Save my career. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so outside yeah, of that. Yeah, even just you getting me into Velcro. Like I, could, I didn't want to get into Velcro for a while. So, I mean, to get into the gear side of things, uh, Wisconsin, you had some soft stuff. We evolved. We got to V6. We had the 2300 pad. Before I had gotten there, Scotty had sent you that. You were in the 2300, which was a great pad. It was stiff up top, which you like. Soft boot, you know, great play, flexibility, reactive. But we came out with the 2017 version of the Pro V Elite, the first ever Pro V Elite, which was, like you said, elastics, internal strap. We invent or we mainstreamed the RRC strap, sorry. And then it was just a lot, lot lighter, right? Well, like convincing Alex to get into that was like, I don't know, you know, like I'm really happy with my stuff. I'm really happy with my stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually tried it super light, ended up liking it. But the one thing that I've been actually kind of bragging about, and I drop your name a lot with other women's and girls players that I deal with is figuring out the glove because Mm. that took us forever to nail. And it took a little bit of working, but after we kind of changed out some pieces on the thumb side of the T-Web, I mean, I think you've been pretty happy with it, right? Yeah, I've been really happy with it. I mean, I had issues for a while where because I have to get like, I think it's because I have to get the intermediate palm. Mm -hmm. So like I would try out these senior gloves and I would like them and like, okay, I just need like a smaller hand because like my hands like falling out of this glove and like would feel good. And then whenever we put an intermediate palm and then I was like, I can't close it. Like I was having a hard time with it just because I think it was just like not necessarily the right placement of it. And so 
have worked with me a ton. Like, I think you sent me like eight gloves one time to yeah, try there, out. There were a lot in rotation <laughs> at one point. <laughs> and I was practicing with Wisconsin. I was a post grad and they needed a goalie for the practice. And this is, I'm like, I have to try these gloves. Like I need to get a new glove. And so I had like this whole box of gloves on the bench and like pretty much would be changing out <laughs> gloves every single drill. And coach Johnson, Mark Johnson was like, new glove, new glove, new glove. Like, I'm like, yep, yep. Like, <laughs> so finally figured out the right one and Ev's the best for making sure that they're broken in before uh, he sends them to me too. Cause I always have an issue with that, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the glove that I'm in and couldn't tell you what it is, but I like it. And, um, that's all that matters, good. Alex. Don't worry about it. You just <laughs> got to catch the puck. We'll just keep making yeah, exactly. it. Um, <laughs> next up, I wanted to drop and kind of get some questions because I know things have been weird and the times that we're all dealing with right now are, are weird with COVID and NHL teams, AHL, junior hockey, everybody, pro hockey you know, a lot of teams are trying to cut budgets, not, and you don't see it from a fan perspective, but everybody you have to know, just like any other corporation or store, they're trying to save money because revenue isn't coming in, especially where a lot of teams, pro teams, junior hockey teams were relying on people buying tickets, getting in the seats. Where does this leave the PWHBA? Like what, can you give us any insight? I mean, I know a lot of stuff might be, you know, you got to kind of keep it under wraps. You guys have plans and everything, but do you have any insight on where, you know, 2021 and 21, you know, maybe more, I guess we're talking, you know, spring of 21, where are things headed for, uh, for the, uh, the group? Yeah. So for those who don't know, the PWHPA is the professional women's hockey players association. And so we founded that last year. And so last year was the first year of it just because um, I had mentioned before the CWHL had folded. So that was a Canadian women's hockey league. Mm -hmm. And that left um, another league in the United States. And after that, that folding of the league, we kind of took a step back and be like, okay, like women's hockey is not where it should be right now. Like it's not heading in the direction that we know it needs to be to, you know, continue to grow the sport and provide these opportunities for the future generations. And so, um, we decided last year to opt out of playing in any league in North America and to found the PWHPA. And so last year we were going to different um, cities. So, you know, we had a big tournament in Chicago, New Hampshire, Philadelphia, um, you know, throughout Canada and Toronto, Montreal. We had all these different showcases. And so, um, you know, they'd be held in most of the time they'd be held in an NHL practice facility. So, um, one was here in Chicago. That was awesome. It was, uh, at fifth third and, you know, the Blackhawks helped out with it and got to do a lot of things with them and the community and things like that. And so we'd have these showcases where, you know, there'd be four to six teams and we play games against each other. And I think it was such a great year for us. And we had so so much momentum throughout the year where, you know, we are grading, gaining traction on people understanding that, you know, we are fighting for a sustainable league and, you know, we are getting in, in good relationships with the NHL. We had um, players at the NHL All-Star Weekend, which was a huge step for women's hockey. And so I think there is so much momentum going off of last year that we are so optimistic on this upcoming year. And now we're kind of, you know, same thing as the rest of the country. We're kind of at a standstill in a way where, um, 
you know, I can't specifically say what's in the works, but I mm -hmm. knew pre COVID there was a ton of things um, happening where, you know, we were talking about going to a bunch of different cities and, you know, all the NH these NHL teams were, you know, wanting to jump in and help out in any way they can with these showcases. And so unfortunately I can't share much information, but all I can, you know, hope for is that, these different um, things will be able to happen where we will be able to have the showcases and we are moving forward with having tryouts and there's different regions. So it's going to be uh, Calgary region, Toronto, Montreal, and then Minnesota and New Hampshire. But the problem right now is, you know, borders are closed and yep. not knowing when those are going to open. And so just definitely puts a wrinkle in the plan, but hopefully things continue to, you know, maybe get worked on and hopefully we can play some showcases this year, if not even just in the second part of the, the season. And because um, like I said, I think that we had a ton of momentum this past year and I think fans were really excited for what we were doing, what we we're accomplishing. And I think we have a great group in place to um, kind of lead us and, you know, can only hope that we can all get back and play some games. All we can do is hope for a vaccine. We'll let the smarter people, the scientists, uh, figure that out. And hopefully we can uh, open up ranks and, like you said, get people back in there and watching games and seeing you guys' play. Are, are there Instagram and Facebook accounts where they could kind of follow with what's going on or what will be going on? Yeah, it's uh, at PWHPA. Um, I think that's the full handle. Yeah, it's just at PWHPA, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And they do a great job updating uh, fans on kind of what's going on and you get to meet a lot of the players through it and the different sponsors that are helping us um, you know kind of achieve this this ultimate goal that we have in mind and so I think it's been really great to to have the PWHPA and like I said before the momentum's been amazing and the support we've had has been incredible and um, you know we can just hope that in the next couple years that we can see an actual league be put in place that you know is a league that young girls and women can aspire to be a part of absolutely and not to mention we got a plug if you want to follow uh and get all the behind the scenes and see what's going on with uh, alex follow her on instagram at a rigs 33 she is verified blue check mark group oh, oh. <laughs> she's she's the real deal um but alex i just wanted to say thank you and before we finish up i just wanted to see if you had one piece of advice or a statement you could make to girls out there that are listening that are goalies and they're hoping to find their way through the next level and kind of fighting through do you have anything you'd want to give them a shout out for or anything you'd want to say yeah i think it's just we kind of talked about it earlier i mean every path is unique and make sure that you own your path and set goals for yourself and dream big. I think um, that's just such an important piece where if you can grow up and, you know, you know you what you want and work hard towards that, I um, think you're going to be able to achieve a lot. And hopefully one day uh, we'll have a league for you to play in as well. Absolutely. And then don't forget to have fun along the way. I was going to say that you have to have fun. <laughs> Most important piece, have fun. Every day you hop on the ice and you're training, you got to somehow make it fun and give yourself a little reason to uh, to show up and enjoy the process. So, Alex, exactly. thank you again for all the time. Um, we appreciate it. We look forward to seeing what happens with the PWHPA. Obviously, we can't wait to see what happens with you and moving forward. And we want to wish you the best of luck. So thank you for the time again. Great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on.
We'll see ya. Thanks again, uh, Alex Rigsby Cavallini, for hopping on between two posts or jumping in between two posts. I don't know. And, uh, you know, taking some time to chat with us and give us a little insight on what uh, the PWHBA is doing. I hope, you know, with COVID clearing up, they'll be back to doing games and uh, showcase games and everything like that. But uh, for those of you still listening, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, comment, and uh, send us a DM, you know. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot Kyle a DM. Shoot him hate messages if you want. Or maybe shoot him happy Tampa Bay Lightning. Go go Lightning. Go Bolts. You know, little prop messages. But uh, until next time, we'll see you in season two.